Hello, my name is Kristen Smith, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of the Sight Black Women Podcast. This week's podcast is truly a special and unique one that I'm sure you will enjoy. On Friday, February 22nd, 2019, the Black Graduate Students Association, in collaboration with the LUTA Initiative at the University of California, Berkeley, held a special Sight Black Women event alongside the Anti-Black State Violence Across the Americas Symposium that occurred on campus at the same time. The Sight Black Women event, which brought dozens of people from the campus community, featured a candid dialogue about citational politics and Black women's knowledge production. The event was organized by Caleb Dawson in collaboration with Ayana Fluellen, Derricka Hunt, Malika Imhotep, and Reagan Patterson. In addition, special guest Andrea Beatriz dos Santos, the co-founder of the Winnie Mandela School in Salvador, Bahia, Brazil, was serendipitously in town for the symposium and was also able to attend. And of course, as I'm sure you already know, we support the Winnie Mandela School with all of our proceeds from the site Black Women t-shirt sales. So having her there was just a special treat. I was also able to go, and that was just great. I was so happy that I was in town for the symposium and could participate. It was a truly inspiring and moving experience and I felt honored to participate. We all learned so much from each other that day in the true spirit of the Sight Black Women Project. I was awestruck by the heartfelt conversation and the deep reflection the panelists brought to the discussion. It was a historic event and we would be remiss not to share it with you. So, we decided that for this podcast and for the next one, we're going to use this recording from the event to do a two-part episode. So today's episode is the first part of the conversation, and we'll follow up with the next part of the conversation or part two next week, so stay tuned. I sincerely hope that you enjoy and gain from the conversation as much as I did. I think that this is a really important conversation. It's the first Sight Black Women event to happen on a university campus that I at least know of. And I'm hoping that you all will be inspired to do similar things on your campuses. I think that one thing that we're always struck by, often at Sight Black Women, we focus a lot on our history and our past and our elders. But this is a conversation with the next generation for Sight Black Women. These are the graduate students that are going to be publishing and bringing their voices to the mix in the future. And so I think this is this is a harbinger of things to come. And it truly embodies the youthful spirit that Sight Black Women also represents as a multi-generational movement. And if you get the chance, please check out our website, www.siteblackwomencollective.org, for our guest blog from the panelists from this special event. I think that that is going to be a great complement to this conversation and also give you some more context to it. So enjoy, and I look forward to sharing with you again next week. Welcome, everyone. Um, thank you for being here. My name is Caleb Dawson. Um, I'm helping coordinate some activities for the Black Graduate Student Association, um, and who are the primary ones who are hosting this event, um, in partnership with the LUTA Initiative. For those of you who haven't been involved yet, um, there's currently going on a symposium on anti-Black state violence across the Americas, um, power and struggle, um, US and Brazil. I'm missing the tagline at the end, but that's the idea. Um, and today's the last day. Um, it's about um, America's futures. And so there's some really great workshops going on. Um, we wanted to kind of insert this program into that larger program because um, the founder of Sight Black Women, Kristen Smith, is in town for the symposium and she's sending our blessing. She's like right around the corner, but she has a really important uh, conference call. Um, but she's really excited to join us at the end if, she, if she's able to. 
Um, let's see. So I just want to introduce Site Black Women as I know it, and um, then give the opportunity for these incredible black women to talk about the politics of citation and black women's knowledge production. Um, as we may know, our society through systems of oppression and even our social justice movements often um, tend to rely on black women's labor and then take it for granted um, in ways that are very often violent um, through er forms of erasure. And this happens from the academy to the streets. Um, Cy Black Women aims to refuse the violence of erasure by honoring the public and private ways that black women make our world more knowable, um, feelable, livable, that make us more free. Um, there are five principles to Cy Black Women. Um, they are read black women's work, integrate black women into the core of your syllabus in life and in the classroom, acknowledge black women's intellectual production, make space for black women to speak, give black women the space and time to breathe. So we're hoping to embody and, and honor those principles in the time that we spend here. Um, the movement has different ways of connecting. There's a collective, there's a podcast, there's different ways you can interact on social media, Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook. So if, if right during this time you hear something really dope, please um, use the hashtag. Um, people on the collective are looking out on the feed right now and wanna share the, um, the things that are happening during this, um, during this panel dis and discussion. Um, First, we're going to have the panelists um, answer a few questions and engage with one another. And then we want to open it up to have a candid discussion among all of us here. Um, so I'd also want to say that we don't come to demand more labor of the black women here, um, we, but we want to celebrate and honor their contributions that they make to, work the, to make the world more livable and better for all of us here, specifically at UC Berkeley, but um, beyond that. So we want to bear witness to their brilliance. With that, I would like the panelists to introduce themselves. Um, and I have some questions for them, and I'm sure we all want to engage with each other. So we'll start however. Oh, um, hey, y'all. I'm Malika Imhotep. I am a fourth-year PhD candidate in African Diaspora Studies here at UC Berkeley. Um, I'm also currently the graduate student coordinator for the African American Student Development Office. Um, so I work in the Black Resource Center, the Fannie Lou Hamer Center, and if you haven't been there, stop by. And it's really been a blessing to kind of work with Caleb over the past few weeks. Um, to, to make this space happen and make so many other things happen. Um, am I just supposed to be introducing myself? Yeah, just one, just one Boom. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Ayana Fuellen. I'm a recent postdoc here in the anthropology department. Um, I'm also the co-founder of the Society of Black Archaeologists, which is in the same sort of trajectory of the site Black Women Movement. Um, but yeah, I look forward to this conversation and really, you know, my background, I got my PhD at the University of Texas at Austin. So I came out of um, the same department that Christian works in, Dr. Smith works in, as well as, you know, getting my master's in the Black Studies department mm -hmm. there, which is, you know, the Austin Black Studies Manifesto is just crucial gentle to how we conceive of Black Studies and how it impacts my own um, personal life as well as my academic scholarship. So I look forward to sharing more. Hi everyone, I'm Reagan Patterson. I'm a sixth year PhD student in environmental engineering, sixth and final, May 2019. <laughs> it has definitely been a journey. Um, I'm just happy to have been invited to sit on this panel. Um, I talk a lot, a mess about the university and the academy. And so now to be able to integrate that into this conversation with people in other disciplines and a larger audience, um, I'm very curious, nervous, and anxious to see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I'm happy you all came and, and we'll see what happens. Hi everybody, my name is Derica Hunt. Um, I really want to resist the urge to introduce myself by my year in school. Um, so my mama name is Renee um, and I'm her daughter and I appreciate being her daughter. Um, and that's 
the most important identity for me than to be an academic. Um, but I do recognize the power. I am grateful to be on this panel. I've been yelling "Cite Black Women" since I got here, um, and I'm in the Graduate School of Education here at Berkeley, and it's been a struggle. Um, this conversation about citing Black women, um, and also I want to just end by acknowledging and really holding space for the Ohlone people and as black women kind of considering my responsibility to native and indigenous women and making space for them in these conversations. Thank you. Thanks y'all. Okay so the first question I've prepared some but we don't want to get to all these because we want them to share and when we're welcoming them to like vibe off of each other and ask each other questions these are just starters so um, could you tell us who are some of the black women who inform your day-to-day -day life and could you tell us about one of their legacies for you? <laughs> um, the I, I laughed a little bit because the first woman that came to my mind was my grandmother who recently passed um, in November, but I heard her laugh come up. Um, my dissertation research looked at the experiences of black women during post-emancipation in Texas, and my line goes back like to the 1820s in Texas. So I was writing about my people, my mothers, in that sort of sense. Um, so when I think about the sort of legacies um, of black women that have such a huge impact on my research and in my personal life, but just within this sort of academic space, um, it's her, it's, it's Debbie Lee Tyler, it, my grandmothers, you know? Um, and I kid you not, um, some of the best experiences I've had I'm being an archaeologist is being able to hold this material culture and then consult with my ancestors about it and trust in that knowledge production. Um, so, yeah. Um, I guess echoing what was just said, for me, it's again about the women who came before me in my family. And so my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother. Um, for me, it's just remembering when we talk about an academic sense, that it's not just about me, um, but it's about the people who came before me so that I could even be here, and then the people that I hope to make space for. Um, especially being in engineering, um, I, according to one professor, will be the first black woman to get a PhD in my department at UC Berkeley, and so, that doesn't make sense, and that's a problem. And so I appreciate the um, like applause, but that's problematic. And so understanding also that if I don't do it, then who will? And so it's just rem remembering that though I am in a struggle here at the academy, there were women who struggled so that I could even be in the academy. And so the legacy is just um, things I like to reference are walk like there's a 3,000 ancestors behind you, but also be aware of um, the people that you hope to make room for. Yeah. Um, and again, just to echo, just to join this chorus, I think um, my mother, um, Diane McKay Johnson, who when I was born was like doing social work, and then out of that social work that she was doing at our local um, like health center, she started a nonprofit called Sisters Action Team. So I really grew up in this, like what I would call like this black feminist, um, like almost I, like not utopia, but like I was just in this web, this really beautiful web of black women 
um, who were like healthcare providers and spiritualists and and just like regular regular who were just all coming together um, for the purposes of talking about holistic wellness and like those are the rooms that I was falling asleep in as a toddler you know and I think like when I come as I come to know myself more as an intellectual or as a creative I recognize that that energy and all the different types of women who were present in that like there was a woman named Sharifa Sa who like would record these beautiful meditation tapes and I have like childhood memories of her having us like in her yard hugging trees and shit and like <laughs> and, and that's and that's starting to show up in my academic practice or at least in how I'm thinking about myself um and the type of intellectual I want to be and so like I think like those people like Sisters Action Team this group of black women in Atlanta who were just into the work of like holistic wellness um are kind of like the like are are one of the the most prominent legacies that I carry. Yeah, and I think I definitely agree. Like it always starts for me with my mom um, and my grandma. And I can say like I remember my first semester here. Like I wanted to write a paper citing only black women, and this professor who shall not be named told me I could not do that. You cannot do that. It's not legitimate. And I remember like the hurt like that I felt. Um, so I actually decided, well, I'm going to find out how to cite my grandma. And I wrote that paper mostly just citing my grandma and feeling like there is space for how black women produce knowledge. And even if it's illegible to the academy and if it's illegible to whiteness and white supremacy, then that means I'm doing something right um, because I understand it. So, Thank you. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the politics of citation in your field and a story about how you navigate them? I feel like... I'm just, I'm feeling really charged up about what you just said about legibility. And so I'm in black studies. So I feel like there's a way that I will cede a lot of time to my folks who are kind of like navigating a whole different maze of citational politics. But I do remember very clearly and even feel presently when I first came into my program, all these questions around like legibility and feeling like my work wasn't legible because I was trying to do this like diaspora studies, black feminism, popular culture thing. And I needed all these voices um, that people weren't invested in and I didn't know the names of like the white theorists that I would have needed to gesture towards in order to get them to listen mm -hmm. to this other stuff that I was saying and having experiences in classrooms where white folks are asking me to like translate black cultural nuance to them and feeling really alienated by the work and making that my responsibility um so I, I feel like there's just something about refusing a certain type of legibility that I'm grateful that you brought into this conversation because even in black studies there's a way that I think folks like you know you you've read texts where you're like I really like what you're doing but I hate that in order for you to say the thing you had to give me this laundry list of like white men who kind of sort of said it but missed the whole point but now you <laughs> have permission to say it and it's hard to read um, but I think that's a dance that folks get into um I guess for me, um, being in the sciences is a very interesting experience when it comes to citations. Um, I guess I'll give two little brief anecdotes that'll kind of help um, me answer this question. So one, after the summer after my first year, I think, um, I taught at Upper Bound, I taught for Upper Bound. And that summer I got an, uh, what is a U for my grade for doing summer research. And I met with my advisor and he was like, well, it seems like you like to help underserved students. So why don't you consider the Graduate School of Education, not environmental engineering? Mm -hmm. um, 
And then the second story, and then I'll get back to how those both relate, is how during my second prelim, because I actually failed my first prelim, um, they were telling me, are you a scientist or a political activist? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been a traumatic six years, y'all. Um, and so for the first story about them trying to kick me out into the Graduate School of Education, for which I'm not qualified because I've never done education work in my life. Um, It really shows how to be an engineer, you're supposed to separate yourself from your personhood. Um, And so how that shows up in citations is that we are just supposed to do the work. Where did that body of literature come from? Google Scholar, Web of Science, whatever, whatever. Who did it? Who cares? What's their identity? Who cares? I write my introduction based on that body of literature. And so um, it's supposed to be this apolitical, as you know, how science often describes itself, apolitical, objective, neutral. But it's like, what science is being funded? Who's being funded? What questions are being asked? And as you said, what is legitimate knowledge? Who's producing legitimate knowledge? Um, And so when we cite, we're lucky if a web of science if web of science authors or papers that come up are written by black women, we're lucky if we are aware of the work of black women. Um, So I'm really interested in the intersection of racial violence and air pollution. And so I was looking up some work, um, but then I remembered luckily a black woman who's here who does the same work. And it's like, if I didn't happen to know her from a course, Mm -hmm. she would have never popped up in my paper. Mm -hmm. And so it's about, are we even aware of the few in the STEM fields that are out there and are there even any in the field and particular area of expertise that we're trying to develop um, that came before us anyway. And so navigating that um, and then briefly, because I don't want to take up too much time, the second part about are you a scientist or are you a political activist? um, For me, I've been very intentional about engaging equity in my research, which is very rare, which is why I took multiple prelims because they didn't think I was doing legitimate science. And so I've been able to connect my work to a body of black women literature because, um, which is very fortunate for me to be able to make space for that. Unfortunately, scientists are not often able to make those connections to bring in the work of black um, academics. And so it's about also, can we, as Dr. Carolyn Finney, who I really admire would say, sneak it in through the back door. I try to do that, but do people in STEM fields always have opportunities to do that? And so um, navigating is very challenging. Even in my own work, I only literally have like three sentences and then the one citation of a black author. And so it's, um, so even in a space where, even in making space for that conversation in my work, I can still only have one. And so um, it's very interesting in the STEM fields and navigating that. I'm thinking about my experience uh, within archaeology. Um, archaeology, like although the subfield of anthropology, really likes to sort of like pride itself on being hard science. So they really value um, quantitative research um, in the subfield. And my research, which looks at uh, material culture as well as documentary evidence, like historic photographs, newspaper articles, um, ex-slave narratives. Um, there was a way that like having all this additional data um, wasn't real for them. Um, And I constantly struggle with um, my research being too theoretically driven and not um, empirical enough for 
um, others in my field. And when they say that, they really mean that standpoint theories like black feminist thought aren't valid. That's what they're really saying. Mm -hmm. um, and they're saying that, you know, the words coming from this ex-slave narrative are not as valid as the data coming from the ground. So there's this way that like, um, in this quest for like data and numbers, what gets stripped of it is the actual people that we're studying. Mm -hmm. um, and to actually include those people's voices suddenly is not valid enough. So I feel like I've um, sort of like straddled that line and am coming from a space where in archeology, span you know, the first time black feminism was spoken out loud in that field was by my advisor, Maria Franklin, and that was in, it was in 2001, because one of her students then wrote black feminist archeology, span Whitney Battle Baptiste, which was 2011. It's 2019, and there hasn't really been work done um, consistently in that regard. And there's a way that like even within the field to say black feminism, it's a lip sync to it, but now everyone wants to talk about intersectional archeologies mm. without like actually stating mm -hmm. Kimberl Crenshaw mm -hmm. or like there's this, so there's this sort of like co-optation and commodification of it to then spit it out and have someone's white, someone white and their name attached to it and now it's valid. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I had to have real conversations with my advisor um, to talk about what this dissertation will look like. And I'm currently having conversations with publishers to talk about what this dissertation will look like. And I'm still having similar conversations of, is this archeology span enough? Um, so I feel like it's a, it's a navigation and, um, you know, founding the Society of Black Archeologists is working in this sort of vein of creating a network where um, you don't have to look very far to know you know, the 72 people working in the US who are black. Like, we have a list for you, we send it out. We're like at the conferences with, you know. So there's a way that we've created a network that um, provides support for us that are of African descent within archeology, span but also like there's a huge initiative within that to publish, like, our, like publish and to cite ourselves. So it's like, okay, so who wrote this, who wrote that? Like, there's a way that we're showing up for each other in particular. Um, ways that sort of have more capital within academia, mm -hmm. but just mm -hmm. strategies. <laughs> um, you're in education with me, Caleb. Mm -hmm. um, I think education is a tricky field because it often gets, um, is often misconstrued with schooling. And I like to always start by making that distinction that schooling and education are not the same thing. Um, schools, in fact, I would say are sites of destruction and I don't know that they can be redeemed. And I appreciate the sister that was sitting next to me um, talking about the Winnie Mandela School um, and kind of helping us understand how for black children, schools are always violent and it's always a place of suffering, um, even when we have these band-aids and efforts. Um, so I think within thinking about education and learning and how black women are always producing knowledge, I find in my own work trying to push the boundary and saying, if we're talking about education, then that means I can cite my grandma. That means I can bring in Alice Walker and all these women who've had such a powerful impact on me. But there is a pushback because it's not talking about schools. And I feel like when you're able to say, I don't believe in schools, I don't know that I'm invested in this project of trying to redeem the school, um, it's hard to find things to cite. <laughs> but there are folks working on it and... <laughs> 
it's hard. And I appreciate you saying like, if we even know, because I know it exists, it's just a matter of knowing. And also for me, I've been trying to be intentional of not only being US centric and thinking about black women in the US and trying to think, well, what are folks saying in other places? Because I know they're there. Um, and the last thing I'll say is like, what I did my first year is I found all the black women professors at Berkeley and I made a list of them. And I like started cold emailing them, looking for classes they were teaching. Um, and I'm glad I did that because those black women have really saved my life like at this school and helped me kind of develop a citational pra praxis that I can be proud of. So I see Tiana, I wanna shout her out. Um, and <laughs> I, I really mean that, I'm not just saying that, but I really mean it. Tiana, Nadia Ellis, Nikki Jones, Prudence Carter, um, just the black women that I've been able to touch on this campus have really, really made a way for me. Um, we're really excited to welcome Professor Kristen Smith, founder of, of Site Black Women, professor from UT Austin, of many things. Um, and here as a guest speaker, not only for the Anti-Black State Violence Symposium, but also for this event, um, we want to welcome Kristen Smith and then ask her to share a little bit about her experience that led her into Site Black Women and, and um, also if you wouldn't mind sharing with us how have you relied on black women's knowledge production in your life? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so I first before before anything, I just want to say thank you. Um y'all y'all you you may think that I'm silly, but when I walked around the corner and I saw all of these people here, I got a little bit emotional. Um because this project is very near and dear to my heart. But it was a project that really grew out of pain and an experience of pain that I was just trying to figure out how do I turn this pain into something positive? And that's the pain of erasure, um, the, the pain of being glossed over, and which, which intersects with all kinds of misogynist violence and misogynoir and all of those things that we know exist. And so to see something that comes from a space of pain turn into a space of healing is a gift. And I thank you for that. And I think we have to honor one another and honor Caleb and all of you all that are here to share with this because it's just really beautiful. Um, I'm not gonna talk very long because I really wanna hear everybody else talk. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, but what I will say very, very quickly is that um, this project started in November of 2017, um, officially. But for those who know me, and I think Tiana Pashal is one of those people, um, this project is really growing out of a long set of conversations among a cohort of black women in the academy who have been trained as black feminists from our, our baby academic years all the way up and all of the things that we face as black women in the academy and the conversations at the kitchen tables over the years is what led to the culmination of this project in 2017. I really think of making the t-shirt in 2017 at the NWSA conference, the National Women's Studies Association conference. I made that decision because Andrea Beatriz was going to be on a panel with me 
And she was just like, you know, we really need to try to to get resources for the school. And I was like, you know what? Something happened to me a couple months ago, and I got really angry. And I, I was at a conference, and somebody paraphrased parts of my book and put it on their slides and did not cite me. Um, and that was the, and I was, and I, you know how you're so mad you want to cry? Have y'all ever been that? I mean, maybe it's just me. Um, I, I didn't know if I wanted to scream or hit things or cry, or it was just a really hard moment for me. Um, and I called one of my best friends, and you know how you just call your friends? And you're just like, and they're just like, you know, you just want to share. And you're like, girl, you, you will not believe what this such and such and such and such just did, <laughs> um, et cetera, et cetera. And I was mad, and I was like, you know what? The next time I go to a conference, I'm going to make shirts. It's going to say, cite black women. And I want these people to look me in my eye <laughs> with my shirt on and not cite me. And... <laughs> And that's what I did. But I but when I did that and I knew it was coming out of a space of of pain and anger, frustration, but also that joy that we as black folk do when we're in a place of anger and frustration, we usually turn it into something else. I still remember all those people like twerking in front of police officers like at Black Lives Matter conference, uh, Black Lives my conferences, Black Lives Matter <laughs> protests, which were conferences, but whatever. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, so we turned that into something else, but I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to do this, but I, I, I'm not going to get benefits from it because that's not cool because that's, that's something that I don't want to do that. And so if I'm going to make these shirts. I'm not going to take profits. I'm going to give the profits to something else. And I was like, I'm a, I was like, Andrea, you're going to come. We can get some money for the, for the school. I'll make all the profits for the school. And that's how we started this. Um, and I think it's serendipitous that this is really like the first community site black women event that I know of. So y'all are making history right now. <laughs> um, and it's here at this conference with Andrea and Amilton and the folk who are at the school. And y'all heard about the school this morning and are now hearing, hearing about this now. And so I think it's a really a, a, a moment. And I'll just end by saying, I have... I have been in a constant state of learning and loving and understanding black women's work. And I think I say it's a constant struggle because I'm hearing y'all stories about being graduate students and I remember being up the street at Stanford and getting all kinds of pushback from folk who will remain nameless um, about things I wanted to add on my bibliography. And I also remember, I also remember losing that struggle. And I want to share that with you because I want us to remember this is a process. And, and if there's anything that I hope is that it will become a space, just talking about and thinking about sight black women in this way will become a way to open doors so that people can do this work. Thank you for tuning in to the first part of this special two-part episode of the Sight Black Women podcast. Next week, we'll air the second part of this conversation, including the question and answer period. Follow us at Sight Black Women on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and our new website, www.sightblackwomencollective.org. And remember, it's simple. Sight Black Women. We theorize, we produce, we revolutionize the world. Yeah.